Hallelujah. 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 Father, you are worthy of all of our glory. You are worthy of all of the praise that we can give you. You are greater than our giants. You are greater than all of our fears combined. You are greater than all of our anxieties. You are greater than any sort of insecurities that may presently exist. God, you are God. And that's the end of the story. There has never been anyone before you, nor will there ever be anyone after you. You alone are the Lord. And it's you that we worship this evening. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you. We trust that something has changed. Something has shifted. We thank you, Lord God, that you have already begun among your people. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for restoring hope. Thank you for uplifting your saints. Thank you for lifting chins. Thank you for lifting up drooping hands. Thank you for returning those who've strayed. Thank you for being the God who leaves the 99 who goes after the one. Thank you for being there even when we don't deserve it. Thank you for your faithfulness even when we find ourselves faithless. God, we bless you. We give you all the praise. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this place. And we just want to give you a round of applause in appreciation of your presence and your power. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, please be seated. Please be seated. God is good. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for serving us. Worship is real. It's really real. There's a lot of things taking place right there in that moment, depending on where your faith is in God's promises and in God's presence. And it's, it's right there in that middle. I don't know where it is, but it's right there between where God determines to show up and do something and make sure it doesn't remain the same and you happening to be there, but not just there. It's not enough for your body to be where he's at. There's this, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? It's, it's where we trust in him and are prepared to believe that he's able to do what he says he can do. And I trust that's already begun in this place and I don't think God is done, amen? How many are ready to hear the word today? Come on now. How many are ready to hear? Amen. Praise God. And so just as God has been with us in our time of worship and song, I trust he's going to be with us as our brother, Pastor David Yerdau, uh, joins us um, up front um, in the time of uh, giving his word. If you ha didn't have the privilege of being with us last night, it was just a sheer honor and a delight to be able to share in that time and that evening with him as he brought God's word together with us, and I trust um, God's going to be with him again. Uh, Pastor David has been pastoring full-time for 11 years. Uh, he's presently involved with a church in Denver uh, along with his lovely wife. Issei, uh, is it Baddalu or is it Yerdau? It's both. Okay, so Issei Baddalu Yerdau. I thought I was going to be in trouble last night, and I'm trying to make up for it uh, this evening. And so they together reside, you know this is home, 
but they reside at this moment in Denver, uh, Colorado, and it's there where he has the honor of being able to be both associate and teaching pastor at Church in the City there in Denver, Colorado. He got a book. I don't know if y'all know, hopefully. Uh, and I encouraged him to bring it uh, with him when uh, they make their way out here to Dallas. And so what we've been able to do last night and what we're going to continue to do uh, until they're out of here is before and after our programs, our services, what we want to do is make a table prepared um, outside in the lobby where we'll always have somebody who will be there to take care of you. Um, that book, I'll leave it up to him to share a little bit if he wants in case there was there were a few who weren't here last night. Uh, but it's a book that really just is birthed out of his life, what God has taught him, and a lot of his experiences in pastoral ministry. And I had the chance to read it about a month ago, and I was really encouraged and served well. And I, I commend that book to you as someone who's had a chance to read it. And I'm always uh, wanting to encourage us to, to get into some good resources that really encourage our faith and our walk with the Lord. They're going for $20. And so if you have it right now, that's wonderful. We got chip sliders and everything you need. But if you happen to not, just talk with us. See one of us. Either uh, if you could get to him, get to him. If you can get to me, get to me. But if you really would love to, to have a copy of your own, We'll help you because at the end of the day, it's not about making a buck. It's really about making sure that God's kingdom is expanded and that whatever God has to offer you through that content is going to be able to be deposited. And so we want to help you with that. And so don't allow that to stop you or prevent you from being, being able to grab a copy. Without any further ado, if I could just invite our dear brother, Pastor David Eardow, up. Please give him a hand. Uh, man, honor. Always to be with you guys. Um, I got paper. So, who was not here last night? I just want to shame you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, so, <laughs> first of all, I was talking to people about how Matthew and Hanok have been like serving this church since 2007, like faithfully. 2007, y'all, that's a long time. And, and this is my first time seeing someone else play the drums than Matthew. <laughs> See, Matthew on a different instrument is so, I'm like, who's on the drums? This is how they do that. Um, but it, it's an honor to be here with you guys. As we, we kind of shared last night, we talked about um, power from on high, you know, meeting with God. And one thing I learned, you know, going through... Um, the Ethiopian evangelical community is the authentic presence of God. Um, that it's real, that it's, it's, it's a real connection, like it's, it's genuine power, and it's, it's, it's meeting with God. And I, and I want you guys to understand that because sometimes we can hear um, Christian, Christian lingo all the time and and you can be in these experiences and moments. And, and la like last night was such a powerful uh, encounter, and so many people were filled with the Holy Spirit. I know so many people were speaking in tongues for the first time, but you don't know how many of those conference events that I've done, been to, young people, been touched. And, 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 and at some point, you know, it just kind of wears off, right? It, it, just, kind of, you just, kind, it just kind of fades away into something else where 
uh, it's all it's almost like a memory. Like Issa and I, we were driving through Dallas, and there's this nostalgia of being in Dallas for us because we're here. I mean, she grew up here her whole life, and I was here for six years, and we're like pointing out places like, oh, you remember that place? And 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 that's how your relationship with God can become if you don't fan the flame and continue this intimate encounter with God on a regular basis. So what I'm talking about tonight is, is being people of prayer because prayer is the channel. It's the wires in which we commune with the Holy Spirit. Like, like last night doesn't have to be a special moment that you happen once at church camp or once at the conference. It could be a lifestyle that you live when, when you become a person of prayer, okay? Uh, I want to show you guys what, what God intended to happen um, within the life of a believer and within the life of a church is um, there, the, the spiritual body of the church, the corporate body of the church, the life of the church kind of represents this water bottle, okay? The corporate structure, and, and, and a mentor of mine showed me this, and it revolutionized my life, okay? It's thinking about prayer. The corporate structure of the church is like this cap. God's intention was the spiritual body is supposed to be at the top in governing the corporate structure. And so whenever there's a need, whenever God needs to speak, like he fills this and it overflows and the corporate structure constantly gets to experience the outpouring and the flow of the Holy Spirit. What we have done in the church and in the body of Christ is we have made the corporate structure on top of the spiritual body. And therefore, we never get to experience the life and the flow of what God is trying to do because we've put a cap on it. We say, okay, it just doesn't work like that. Like, like we don't go um, on a day-to-day basis expecting the supernatural, overwhelming power of God to move in a ridiculous, radical way. If you do... The Christian culture will tell you you're weird, right? Like those Bethel people. You know what I'm saying? FMIC out there. <laughs> right? Like, like, like people that are just like, oh, we're just going to go uh, do a treasure hunt. And we're just going to pray and just wherever the Lord leads us. And, and, and to people in the church, for the most part, think that is absurd. It's weird. Like, how, how? But, but if you read your Bible, right, if you, if you open it up and you begin to Go through the scripture, and I want you guys to ask yourself a question. And, and sometimes whenever you read any text, this is a good question to ask. Is this descriptive or is it prescriptive? Is what I'm reading descriptive, like it's just telling me a story that one day there was this Jesus that was born? Is it just describing what happened, or is it the prescription for my life? Is this what God is saying for me to do, to be, how to live? Is this, is this it? Like, is this the prescription? Because when you open your Bible and you look at the life of the disciples and you look at the life of the apostles and you look at those who followed Jesus and had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the prescriptive life looks so different than the life you and I live on a daily basis. It just does. If we're honest with each other. If we're honest with each other, it looks different. And therefore, 
we have moments like last night, we have church conferences where we get like all this spirituality, we get times of intimacy, but it's not the norm. You know, I talked up last night, we talked about praying in tongues, like that God has given us this heavenly language, and, and Paul talks about, man, you know, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you, and, and to be honest, when we talk about these kind of things within the church setting, it's still uncomfortable. Like, we don't practice the skill or the gift of tongues that God has given us that says, listen, this is to edify you, to help you in your weakness, because you don't even know how you should be praying. And God has given us the gift of praying in tongues so that we can pray the perfect will of God over our life, but we don't do it. Isn't it crazy that the prescriptive recipe for a life with God, God is literally telling us this is what you have to do and you're going to have the perfect recipe, the secret sauce, it's all there and then we don't do it and then we wonder where is God? And over time, it just becomes kind of a flow. But I want to tell you guys tonight that, that God is very real and in moments like this and times like yesterday and today and tomorrow, these are opportunities to connect and, and really engage with God in an honest way. And I, and I want to be honest, like something you can learn in your walk with God is just to be honest with him in the sense that if, if you're not loving God right now, just tell him, God, I don't love you. I don't even love you. I don't even like you or I don't understand you, right? Like, like I'm far from you. I just don't know. Being honest with God is the best place to be because God is not scared of our honesty. He's not afraid when we challenge him and say, God, I don't know you. Make yourself known to me in my life. God is not afraid of that. But God cannot deal with the mask, the fake you, the pretend you, the, the, the I'm, I'm not sure. He can't deal with all the other stuff, but he can deal with who you really are, the honest you. And so tonight, as we talk about becoming people of prayer, it is with this intent that I want God for God, and that God is real, and he's going to show up in my life when I can talk to him. Amen? So we're in James chapter 5, verse uh, 16b, which means the second part. I'm going I'm to read this, and we'll just pray. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word, God, and um, such an anointed time right now that, that we're having with you. I thank you for the times of worship that we've had the fellowship, the fun. And Lord, as we dig through your scripture, I just pray that we can all be honest with you. Pray that we can just hear from you, that our ears would be tuned to what your spirit is saying so that we hear truth, that you flow through this room, Holy Spirit, as a spirit of many waters, and that you just have your way. Like, like you do exactly what you want to do, that you, what you've planned to do, what you intended to do. And I pray every single person that is here makes themselves available and open and real with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Elijah was a man just like us, okay? 
becoming people of prayer is taking the cap off of the corporate structure and making prayer and our communion with God as um, easy, as honest, as um, everyday activity, as breathing, just, just becoming people of prayer. And in this passage, it actually says a lot. One, that Elijah was a person just like you and I. Elijah was a man like us with a nature like us. So that means he was a sinner, <laughs> right? He, he had his good days, he had his bad days, he had his weaknesses, he had his insecurities. I mean, he was emotional. Like, if you've read about the life of Elijah, like he was, I don't know if he was bipolar, but one day he was like celebrating victories at, at the mountaintop after killing 500 prophets, and, and he is on like the power trip, and literally the next day, I mean, literally the next day, he's running for his life because a woman threatened him. He literally asked God to kill him multiple times throughout his journey. He, he is a man like us. He's not Jesus Christ, right? He's not perfect in every way. He was a man just like us, but he prayed regularly. Point number one, if you're going to become a person of prayer, it means you have to pray regularly. That means on your good days, on your bad days. That means when you don't feel like it. That means that prayer becomes a lifestyle, we learn to pray regularly if we want to be people of prayer. There are people of prayer, and there are people that just throw up prayers. I've been that person that throw up prayers, those Hail Mary prayers, that Lord Jesus, I just pray you get me out of this one situation, and I'll never sin again. You ever been there in that place, right? Like, God, if, if you just take this situation from me, if I pass that test, right? Like, if my parents don't find out about this grade, right? Like, if I don't overdraft on this McDonald's, right? <laughs> you know, you, you, there's just a few things that there's these Hail Mary prayers that we'll throw out there, and we will we'll promise God, <laughs> Like our, 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 our inheritance, you can name my, you know, whatever it is. And, and there are people that throw up these prayers, but they don't pray regularly. People think of prayer differently. Some people just think that prayer is this like lucky charm that if you do it, like you'll be better. Um, I used to play a lot of poker with friends um, that didn't always know the Lord. And <laughs> we would play and people would say, David, you have a fair, uh, an unfair advantage because you pray all the time and you're spiritual. That's why you're winning. And I'm like, no, God is not with poker. So <laughs> I have no advantage here, <laughs> right? I got to repent after this. <laughs> so, um, so there are people that look at prayer like a lucky charm. Like you're just, hey, you're, you're a little better off. Uh, there are some people that look at prayer like, like it's the national anthem, it's something you do right before you eat, but it has nothing to do with what's actually going on, <laughs> right? Like, it's just a ritual you practice in. And, and, and we don't even realize when we fall into this because over time, our life with God just becomes to fade away from something that is so genuine and honest and communing with him and walking with him every day of our life to these rituals that we find ourselves doing, showing up to that before we know it, we are no longer people that pray regularly. We're not people of prayer. We're just those that offer a prayer. We're just people that just kind of, okay, God, if you can just do this in my life, if you can just show up in my life, and it never works like that. We need to be people of prayer. You see, I think James is a perfect person to teach us about prayer. James, the brother of Jesus. 
He was a man of prayer, and he lived on his knees. I remember reading the story about James that he had um, calluses on his knees, and they called him like camel knee because he was always praying. Like there was a, a fable, I don't know, it's a myth that he like fell off a building and he na- landed on his knees and survived. Like literally, <laughs> it's like this urban legend. And in our community, in our church here at EEBC, our parents pray on their knees. And I, like you could walk into a prayer meeting at EEBC and you look and like you don't see anybody because everyone's on their knees and everybody raises their head and it's like, oh, this place is packed. Um, you know, I got bad knees, so I was always the guy that was sitting. <laughs> Don't judge me. Um, but it's something about showing up that making prayer this, this regular activity that we do. And, and it's interesting because over time, what's happened to me, and, 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 I'm, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys, we had prayer meetings at church in the city. And I remember talking to our church about this. And... We have activities. I mean, we feed the homeless three, four times a week. We work with uh, pregnant teens. I mean, constant activity that's happening throughout the church. Prison ministry, food bank. I mean, services on Saturday, Sunday. We have prayer meetings as a church, and I didn't attend. And I remember talking to our church about praying regularly, and I was trying to preach at them. And I was like, oh, we got to pray. And it hit me that I was not attending the regular prayer meeting at the church. It was actually the least attended service that church in the city had done. The week I was preaching this sermon at our church, I went and talked to him and I told him, I got to repent. I got to, I have not been living this the way that I should. Because our prayer meetings, your pre-service prayer meetings, should be the most attended services that you do because it is the channel in which we commune with the Holy Spirit. There is, you know, we get the word of God through the scripture. We get to understand the Father. But there's no way we can know the Holy Spirit. We can commune with him apart from prayer. But across churches in America... Prayer meetings are the least attended services, the least, because we have slowly faded into people that give and offer up prayers, but we don't pray regularly. Point number one, if you want to be a person of prayer, you got to pray regularly. I mean, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what you're, you just got to show up, amen? So we grow into that place by just showing up and getting on our knees, if you don't have bad knees, like me, but, but doing that, okay? Point number two, people of prayer pray passionately, okay? It says that the fervent, okay? Elijah was a human being just even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. In other translations, it says effectual, fervent prayer, okay? People of prayer pray passionately. Um, there's, there's a pastor in um, Denver um, who, who I kind of get mentored by once in a while, depending on how I feel, if I can handle his level of energy, okay? And uh, his name is Dean, and he has this thing that if you are going to pray, you have to pray out loud. Like, it's not enough that you pray in tongues. No, no, no. You got to pray in tongues super loud. So my first meeting with 
Pastor Dean, okay? They invite us over to his house, and his, all his group is there, and everybody's like, we're about to eat. And they're like, okay, David, we want you to pray over the food. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. And, and, and all of a sudden, everybody starts busting out praying in tongues. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how we're going to flow. Like, we're going to just get, get after it like that. And, and so I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? It's customary. You wait till people lower their voices, then you pray. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And somebody tells like, David, you got to pray over everybody else for the food. And so everyone is busted. And, and when he talks about praying fervently, he's like, it's not enough that you're passionate. <laughs> you got to be loud. You got to shout. You got to scream. I'm not over there yet. <laughs> but people of prayer are passionate about what they talk, what they pray for. You cannot be a person of prayer if you don't have some level of fervency, right? Uh, uh, ambition. And, and preachers of old People like Charles Feeney, I don't know, you've probably read about him. People like Charles Feeney, they would say they would travail in prayer. There would be a level of agony for them when they would go into prayer. And this is what happened, because there were people that prayed regularly, right? Because they prayed regularly, they felt about things the way God felt about things. So they were passionate because they saw how God felt about what was going on on the earth. And it said, some of them would say, it was as if there was this burden rolled on top of us. And we were in such agony, we had to pray and roll it back on God. We couldn't carry it for ourselves. People that are people of prayer pray passionately. They pray passionately because they feel about things. They care about things the way God cares about things, the way he sees stuff. And oftentimes when we just become people of prayer and we pray on a regular basis, you know what happens? God changes our attitude. He changes our perspective. He changes our hearts. Sometimes we go into a prayer meeting praying for a miracle and we don't realize the miracle is just us even showing up to prayer. And in that prayer meeting, things change. And all of a sudden, I leave that meeting feeling so much different about what I needed than what I went into just because I was a person of prayer that prayed regularly. And before I know it, I begin to be passionate about what God is passionate about. I feel for things the way God feels for things. And if I had a prayer for you guys right now, it would be that you would feel how God feels about what's going on in our generation, in our nation, with our people, like, like the way God feels about it, the way that he loves people. Can you imagine the way God loves people to just give everything? Like, I want to love people the way God loves people. I want to see every life, every situation, the way he sees it and he feels about it. And I can't get that until I go into my prayer closet. I can't manufacture that apart from the Holy Spirit. God has to deposit that into my heart and into my life, and I become passionate. What happens to us when we start to feel about things the way he does? We don't pray general prayers. You know you're not pa praying passionately when you pray for things in generalities. It, you, you, get, you get passionate when it's specific, when you know the details, okay? Um, I've been accused in my life of being a bandwagon fan. Let me tell you guys what happened, okay? I, li I moved, I lived, I grew up in, uh, let me, where should I start? I grew up in Stillwater, Oklahoma, okay? Stillwater, Oklahoma don't have no sports teams. <laughs> we didn't get the Oklahoma City Thunder for a long, long time. 
And then all of a sudden, I moved to Denver, Colorado. I was there. You know, I was, it's hard to get behind the Denver Nuggets. They weren't that good at the time. The Broncos were great, and I was like, I was a huge Bronco fan. And then I moved to Dallas, and I got into ministry, okay? Moved to Dallas. I was here into ministry. And in ministry, in Bible college, they tell us something, right? Uh, you you got to support the home team. Wherever, right, Pastor Neb, tell You've heard it, right? I'm not making this stuff up. Literally, one of the Bible college classes, they will tell you, listen, if you pastor in a city, you better support that home team, or you will not have five members. (laughs) Because everyone loves the home team. That's their home. So I'm like, okay, I can't be rooting for Denver Broncos anymore. I got to support the home team of Dallas. So I put on the star and was trying to root for the Cowboys. I tried to get behind Tony Romo. I tried, okay? I tried. Jason Witten is still playing. I did my best, y'all. I tried to do what I could do to support the home team. And I fell in love with the Mavericks. Fell in love with the Mavericks. Dirk Nowitzki, I lived when they won their championship. I was here. I, I was at the parade. I missed the parade, but I, I was trying to get to the parade. I moved to Denver. You got to support the home team. All of a sudden, I got to take off the Dallas Star and I got to put on the Bronco, <laughs> right? And so I've been a, a, a accused of being a bandwagon fan. Now, because of my fandom that travels, I'm not really as passionate about any one home team because it travels. Now, my wife, Issei, is from Dallas, Texas, <laughs> all right? <laughs> and... <laughs> She's like born, and I try to convince her, I'm like, hey, we're in ministry now. You got to support the Bronx. Nope. I'm, I'm from Dallas. I support the Cowboys, and she, just no other way, Mavericks all the way. And let me tell you about her passion for the Mavericks. Because she is so passionate about the Mavericks, she can barely watch Dirk take free throws when he's missing. I mean, it's like all in, 100%. I'm sorry, sorry. When he's not missing, she don't want him to miss. I'm saying all this to say... There's a level of passion because you are in love with the team. When you don't love, when you don't care about, when there's nothing specific you care about, it's hard to be passionate. The way I'm not that passionate. I'm a Steph Curry fan, but I don't even care that I'm missing the finals right now. It's all good. I'd rather be here with you guys. But when you're passionate about something, it's something that is specific. When you are a person of prayer and you pray passionately, it's because it's something you care about. You don't pray passionately about things you don't care about. And one way we can become people of prayer is finding specific things that grab attention of our heart, and those be the things we pray for. Amen? You guys still with me? So number one, we become people of prayer because we pray regularly. Number two, we pray passionately. Number three, we become people of prayer because we pray in faith. Okay? You pray in faith. Um, Let me give you the scripture, Luke chapter 11, 5 through 10. It says, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are, and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though... He will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. I just love that. Your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. 
So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open too. Effective prayer is one that is done in faith. It is one that is done with passionate pursuit and hunger and one that says, I'm not going to stop until I get it. Effective, pa- passionate prayer is one that is done in faith because there is a substance on the other side of the door. Faith requires substance. It requires something for us to believe in. You see, Elijah just didn't get up one day and all of a sudden make up in his mind, I'm just going to pray that it doesn't rain. No, God had given him a word and he says, Elijah, I want you to pray this and I want you to expect for it to happen. And when God eventually wanted the rain to come down, God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, I want you to pray this. God wants to partner with us to get things done on this earth, but it happens when we are willing to pray in faith and expect what we're praying for. Expect it with this shameless audacity to go after it and knock for it and just believe that God is going to do it because we have substance behind it. The Bible is full of promises that God has spoken to his children, to you and I. There are promises all throughout scripture that when you pray them and you knock on the door of heaven, that God will bring it to you. He'll give it to you, but we got to pray in faith. You know the prayers that I just cannot stand? God, if it is your will to do this, you will do it. People will pray, and at the end of their prayer, they sow the seed of doubt at the very end. The seed of doubt that says, God, I don't really think you're going to do it, but if you do, that's great. But at the end of the day, it's your will. You know the only time Jesus prayed, Lord, if it is your will, let it be done? When he knew exactly that God was not going to do it. Jesus says, let your will be done. The only time at the Garden of Gethsemane when he knows he's going to have to go to the cross. And he's saying, God, I'm fighting with you about what I know I need to do. And in that prayer moment, God is changing his heart and his mind towards what he's about to do. But nowhere else in the New Testament does Jesus pray with this attitude that says, God, whatever your wills." Jesus prays. God, I know that you hear me, and whatever I ask for in prayer, you'll do it. He says, turn this bread into feeding all these people. Let Peter walk on water. There's never a time where Jesus' attitude is, oh, yeah, God, if this is going to be, you don't see Peter praying like that. You don't see Paul praying like that. They're hanging on to the substance of God's word. What has God said? And if God has said it, I can be that person that goes to the my neighbor at the middle of the night knocking on the door and saying God I need this and you said if I come to you you'll give it to me and this shameless audacity to constantly persevere and push and pray in faith knowing believing that you're going to receive it is what gets it to us people who pray people of prayer pray in faith They have the substance to know that this is God's intention and will. If you prayed right now, let me ask you guys just an honest question. For every person in your school, 
college, high school, middle school, to get saved, and you were that person with that shameless audacity, because you know God's scripture says that he wished, he pr- that all men would be saved, and you begin to have a passion and a burden for souls, and you pray every day, God, regularly, passionately, I want to see my school transformed in the name of Jesus. I want to see every person in there saved. I'm believing you to do what only you can do. And I have this substance because your scripture has given me a promise. I had a friend. I have a friend. (laughs) Her name name is Masaret. And she prayed for her father to be saved for 10 years. 10 years. Bring it to the group. Guys, let's just pray that my dad gets saved. Really want my dad to get saved. Ten years before finally her dad accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how she celebrated at that baptism. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a party because she travailed. She waited. She continued to knock. One of the things that frustrates me about our generation is that we'll pray for something, and as soon as we don't get it, we're like, all right, God, I guess it's not your will. God, I guess you just don't want me to have this. The substance of faith is something that is beyond just you and I. God's promises are for us to inherit. And when you get to pray for them, like, like just pray that you hear God's voice. You hear God's, just pray for things that you know that God wants to do, expecting to receive it. Pray for an encounter with, you can pray for things that you know. Okay, God has outlined these in the scripture, because people of prayer pray in faith. They pray with this sense of, I just know that God's going to do it. Fourth thing is, we, and I get ready to close. People of prayer pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. The name of Jesus is an authority when you pray in the name of Jesus, now, if you're kind of raised in church, and <laughs> uh, sometimes we do this thing, right? <laughs> and um, like we say it like all the time. <laughs> we say it when we're scared. We we uh, we we. I mean, sometimes I wonder because of how loosely we use it, if we strip it of its power. You ever think about it like that? Because I don't really see other people that are not saved using Allah's name in vain, Buddhist name in vain. They don't say Jesus when they just want to, cur- you know what I'm saying? Like. When they get frustrated, the world and the system around us has found a way to strip the power and the authority from the name of Jesus. We as a people have found a way to remove the value and the power and the authority from the name of Jesus because we use it so loosely. Jesus says, ask anything in my name, and it will be done for you. Ask for anything, and you can use my stamp, 
right? Like you can use my merit, my authority, every, every, it's as if like, like you go to the bank and, and, and you have the right to sign under Jesus's name, to withdraw from his account. You have the power of attorney for the name of Jesus that you can go to heaven and pull anything down. When, when we pray in the name of Jesus, it is as if it is Jesus praying that himself, just as if it's him. Name means character and authority. That when I use the name of Jesus, when I pray in the name of Jesus, it is as if Jesus is praying that for himself. But sometimes I, I don't think we think of it like that. I, I honestly don't. I know for a long time I didn't. I used it loosely, flippantly. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And, and you know, people would use it around me and um, even... <laughs> one of the commandments is don't use the Lord's name in vain. It's, it's like sometimes we just kind of, yeah, that's not a big deal until you read the scripture and Jesus is saying, ask whatever in my name and you'll have it. We ask for whatever in his name and we don't have it. So where's the disconnect? Pray in the name of Jesus with authority, with power. This is something I'm still learning to trust, to take this first step and just believe, God, when I pray this thing, and I believe that it is your promise, it is your word, and I'm passionate about it. I've been praying regularly. This thing has rolled over onto my heart. This is the one thing that I want to see you do, and I just know, and I'm going to continue to ask, seek, knock, and push until I see this thing happen, and I believe that your name is powerful enough to do it. It's something I'm still learning to do as I commune with Holy Spirit. But we got to start somewhere as people of prayer. We just don't throw stuff up. Last night when we talked about praying in tongues as a gift that you get to use, as something that you get to put into practice, as a person of prayer, you guys make like a list when people ask you to pray for stuff. I have to make a list. I don't ever remember. Either I pray for you right there or I have to make a list. But let's say I have my whole list and I'm like trying to commune with the Holy Spirit. I have my whole list. And I want to be a person of prayer. I want to make this thing part of my regular day activity. I can go through my whole prayer journal prayer list in five minutes, guys. I'm not kidding you. I'm talking about anything that I really care about, I'm passionate for, that's on my mind. I can go through it in five minutes. So how do you spend hours of time communing with the Holy Spirit? How do you spend moments and car rides and gym sessions when you just want to pray and you just want to talk to Him? The Bible says in Romans 8, we don't even know what we ought to pray for. So you pray in the Spirit and you use your gift, you exercise your gift. If you don't exercise your gift, if you don't use it, you lose it. And that, that you, it's gone, you just forget about it. You don't understand it. There's no value there. And so when you're learning to be a person of prayer, God has given you the gift of tongues, the gift to stir your faith up so that you can commune with him. Use it. The Holy Spirit does not possess you to pray in tongues. It is something that you use as a gift. You can just, I mean, driving, gym set, 
I go to Starbucks, I'm praying in tongues. People want people looking at me crazy, okay? Because I'm in there preparing and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pray and I'm gonna, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be ashamed, but you gotta use your gift. And I remember someone had to tell me that before I actually started to do it. So I wanna challenge you guys tonight as we get ready to close. I wanna challenge you to use your gift and to become people of prayer. There's nothing else that's going to serve you like that. God has given us his word in the scripture. We get to know him. But if you want to know the Holy Spirit and you want to have an honest relationship with God, you got to pray. You just got to do it. Do you know how to find what God finds valuable? Just look at how the devil fights against it. Look at how the devil fights against you praying. You can know how valuable that time is. How the devil fights against you getting into your word. Because he knows how valuable it is. Because once you break through that barrier and you become a person of prayer, I mean, you are unstoppable, untouchable. When you pray, I'm talking about spiritual warfare is happening all around you, but when you become a person of prayer, that stuff doesn't hang on to you. It falls off. But we're powerless, unfocused, unpassionate, that if God was to download into us as a church right now what he told to Elijah, pray that it would not rain for three years. Is there enough faith in the room that that would be our burden until it did not rain? Until it did not rain. You see, God has given us a burden to pray for. God has given us something to strive for. When Jesus left, he says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the great commission. Elijah was given a word. He said, I want you to pray that it wouldn't rain for three years. And he prayed it, and it didn't rain. And God has given us a command when he left, and he gave us his Holy Spirit, and he gave us a commission for all to labor on together, which is the discipleship of the world, the outreaching of the nations, to see every soul saved and everyone impacted. That's a burden to carry. Even if you just start there with just what God has given us in Scripture to say, I'm just going to begin to pray this, that God can use me to be a disciple that makes disciple that makes disciples. I know Pastor Neb is a discipler. So you guys have a great shepherd here that wants to see you be a great disciple that makes disciple. Because that, is the, that should be the prayer for all of us to see that happening all over the world. When I was at Starbucks today, um, I sat across a guy who had a Christian book out. And I was thinking to myself, only in Texas. <laughs> and we, we struck a conversation, and he told me about his radical conversion to Jesus. And, and, and we had like a, a time of open prayer, like right there at the start. I mean, praying in tongues, open, praying with people. It, that could be an everyday activity for me, and I would be super happy. But in Texas, you get to have this kind of Christian culture. 
That would never happen in Denver. I've never met, you know how many Starbucks I've been to in Denver in the last six years? I've never had one conversation with another believer. It's like less than 10% Christian, y'all. I mean, it is leading the country in legalizing drugs, homosexual laws. I mean, you're talking about stuff that, I mean, Denver is one of those places that if you don't pray, I mean, you're an easy target. You're just an easy target. You go to a church in Denver, a church the size of EEBC, there might be four in all of Denver, or four, five, and you go in there on a Sunday morning, it may be 25% full. If you got 100 people in your church in Denver, Colorado, that is a big church. I mean, you've made it. <laughs> like you are surviving. You guys have here is special. The atmosphere is already set for you to just enter in and encounter. I mean, I'm talking about I walk in here, I hear Hanok just sing one song, and I'm already in there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you guys have something special to commune with Holy Spirit. It's not like this everywhere you go. It's not this easy. Some places you got to traverse in prayer just to sense him that he is even there. So you have an opportunity here to grow as people of prayer, to commune with Holy Spirit and take it with you anywhere you go. Get to take it with you anywhere you go. This is a training ground for you as a disciple of Christ. And as you are growing in your intimacy with Holy Spirit, grow as people of prayer. Make that a pillar of your life so that what you experienced last night, where the Holy Spirit falls, People around you are falling out in the spirit. People are crying. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. I mean, it's so exciting when you, talk about, when you think about prophecy and the food. You know, when you start to move in the supernatural, I mean, all you have to do is open up the New Testament. And this was everyday life for Paul and Peter and Timothy. But for us, it's like something we read and it's like Narnia. <laughs> what? What's going on here? They're not even, church is like the whole day. Do you know there was somebody that, Paul preached so long <laughs> that somebody literally fell out of a window and died. And he was so hurt that this dude died during his sermon that he went down the stairs, laid over him, prayed that he would be healed, and he was revived. That is a real story in the New Testament. Because for them, there was nothing else. Breaking of bread, prayer, the teaching of his word. That was it every day, and they turned the world upside down. Just open your scripture, guys. I'm telling you. Stuff you read there would make Avengers look child's play. Child's play. So I'm just going to just close this time in prayer. We're going to have plenty of time to just enter in um, tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what you want to do, Pastor Neb, just to go from here. But let me encourage you. Even when you go home, just spend some time alone with him. If, man, I could talk for a while. <laughs> because there's something, these nuggets I want to give you guys. This is corporate time. If the only time you meet with God is in a corporate setting, I don't know if you have a real relationship with God. There is this um, psychology that's of groupthink, okay? This groupthink mentality means when I'm in a youth group, when I'm in college group, if I see somebody else respond, if I see somebody else going to church, if I see somebody else doing it, I'll do it too. It's a groupthink mentality. 
the only time you know that your relationship with God is honest and personal and genuine is when you can do it by yourself when nobody else is looking. Everything else, it can be categorized as a group think. It's corporate. But until you learn to have a personal, devotional time with you and him, and those moments are intimate and personal, and those moments are bigger and better than these moments, man, you better ask yourself, is this real or am I just faking it? to be part of the group because I'm going to church and it's what everybody else is doing. People of prayer pray regularly. That doesn't mean they just show up to church every week and pray with everybody else. That means they pray by themselves. You, you talk to God on your own. You have a personal relationship, not a private one, a personal one. That means you know him for yourself. It's not your mama's faith. It's not your daddy's faith. It's not the culture's faith. It is your faith that if I dropped you off on an island with a Bible, that you and God would just be as close as you are when you're here. And if you can't answer that question for yourself, ask yourself some tough questions. Because 90%, more than 90%, Young people, when they leave their home church and go off to college, backslide away from it. Why? Because we have great youth group meetings and we have great opportunities to connect with God. But if you don't develop a personal relationship with God on your own, my friends, you may have a big problem. Sorry to kind of end this on a downer. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I should tell a joke or something. And I'll come up here and tell a joke, man. Uh, let me just pray for you, and we'll just kind of just see what, whatever Pastor Neb wants to do from here. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we thank you, Lord, for this time. God, I thank you that you love us enough to, to correct us, to rebuke us, to be honest with us through your scripture. Um, deal with us. Deal with our heart, God. Deal with our heart, Lord, that we can know you personally and genuinely for who you really are, that you can know us and that we may grow as people of prayer. Help us to take the top off of religion and going through the motions and allow us to just enjoy you and to know you for who you are. Thank you for this group, for Pathway Church, and what you're doing in the lives of these believers. You're empowering them, Lord. Continue to just pour out power from on high so that they can know you for who you really are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Since we're a little bit uh, intimate here, group, uh, if we could stand together. Um, we'll have a chance to close and get you out of here at a decent time. Uh, because we're back in here in the morning um, for a last uh, opportunity. But uh, just perhaps, um, I wanted to just take one point from what our our brother, Pastor David, had shared uh, from this message and really want to press that point home for us uh, during this time. But if there happens to be somebody, as we begin to pray through that point, really would like prayer, really would like to use an opportunity like this one uh, by coming forward uh, to be able to have either someone like myself or a brother or any of our sisters who normally lead in prayer to pray for you. Um, I want to make sure that that's an opportunity that doesn't pass you by, and I want to give you uh, these next few minutes because I want to honor 
whatever it is that God may have been doing. And if it means completing that through giving you this sort of space, I want to be sensitive to that. And so if that's you, I want to give you that, that time to really obey um, the Holy Spirit, um, who may well be leading you to come forward for this time of prayer. And we want to believe together in what God is doing in your life. And that's an opportunity you could take at any moment right now. and Just come forward here. We have plenty of space in a way that's appropriate for you. We would love to just together pledge together with you and believe that God will do what he says he's going to do. Uh, our brother talked about passion, passion for prayer. Um, like Elijah, a man who was fervent, a man who prayed with effectual prayer. And that's really what I, I, I really would love to see among, among us. And you know, What's going to bring that fervency, what's going to bring that passion is the more you know about your God, the more we're aware of his character and his goodness and his willingness to do what he says he's capable of doing, that brings passion. And so let's, let's lean in, let's press in right now even. And if that happens to be you, please come forward. Come forward in now. Father, we pray, thanking you right now. Father, we draw to you right now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. Put a passion, put a passion within this group. Put a fire within each and every one of us. Oh God, I pray. You deserve it. You are worth it. You are worthy of our passion. Hallelujah. 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 I pray for intimacy. I pray for intimacy. I pray for a sweet intimacy between your children and their God and their Father in heaven. I pray for an openness, a transparency a desire to want to race race into your presence, not lollygag into your presence, to rush into your presence. Hallelujah. Free your people, I pray. Free your people. This is home. This is home. This is home. This is your father's house. You're welcome in this place. If there's any place you can be comfortable, if there's any place you can feel at home, it's here. It's now. It's with a God who you know loves you. Father, we press in. We press in in these remaining moments. We lean in. You've spoken to us. It's our turn to respond to you in faith, to respond to you with hearts passionate about what you say you're going to do. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus, with loud cries and passionate tears, prayed. He prayed. God, we pray to you right now. We look to you, God. We remind ourselves of how good you are, how merciful you are, how gracious you are, how kind you are. 
God, you are worthy of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lay hold of your promises. We lay hold of your heart. We draw near to you at this hour, Lord God. Everything depends on it. Our lives, our lives depend on it, Lord God. You are our life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. May we see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. May we behold your face in this hour. May we witness the weightiness of your glory. May we find ourselves coming under the, the magnitude of your nature, your character, your attributes. God, you're, no so, you're not some abstract thought. You are a transcendent, everlasting, eternal, sovereign being in our midst. You are holy. You are holy. We tremble in your presence. We are overwhelmed by your grace, oh God, that you would be willing to draw near to us during this time, that you would wish to have something, anything to do with us. God, we glorify you in this place. Move amongst this place. Move among your people. Begin touching lives. Begin healing, I pray, Lord God. Begin lifting burdens, needless burdens. Begin taking away guilt and shame. Begin removing barriers that stand in the way of your people from being able to serve you gladly, live for you wholeheartedly. Do this now, we pray in Jesus' name. Raise your people up, Father, I pray, for a life that they've never known, for a calling that you've purchased for them with your blood. Begin raising them up even now, Lord God, setting them apart for your glory. Set their lives ablaze. May they be passionate about your word, passionate about time with you in prayer, passionate about being vocal, public witnesses for you wherever they find themselves, Lord God. God, you've saved us not to sit in church services. You've saved us to live for you, not just one day of the week, but every day of the week. God, you've called us for much. Jesus, you came, you lived, you shed your blood, you suffered, you died, you rose again and sent your Holy Spirit so that we might know now that life that belongs to each and every child of God. I pray we know it. I pray we know it. God, you said, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no way we're going to know unless we put it into our mouth. There's no way I'm going to know that that food is worthwhile unless I taste it myself. It's not enough for me to go off of whoever made it. It's not enough for me to go off of whoever else may have eaten it. It's not enough for me to go off of somebody else's report. I myself need to personally have a bite. And I pray right now, Lord God, maybe there was somebody here today where the only 
kind of relationship they've had with you is one where they go off of someone else's report, someone else's experience. Maybe it was family, maybe it was parents, maybe it was siblings. I pray after today, it be our experience. May we all taste and see that you are in fact good. God, you are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, be a treasure to each and every person here today. Be that treasure that nobody can take away. Be that treasure that trumps every other treasure. Lord, I pray right now, if there are any idols, if there's anything that is existing in someone's life that clearly is in competition with Jesus' loyalty, I pray it go in Jesus' name. I cannot claim to want more of God, but there are still things in my life that I know that I know are standing as a threat to my relationship to God. It's got to go. The only way I'm going to see Jesus the way he desires for me to see him is if it goes. May it go in Jesus' name. Starve our appetites. Right now, starve our appetites for everything that's competing for your affection in our lives. And awaken whole new hungers, whole new thirsts, whole new appetites for God and for the things of God. I pray in Jesus' name. I can't be somebody who, who complains, why is my relationship with my spouse not what it ought to be? Only to discover that I'm entertaining emotional affairs and emotional relationships with other individuals that are not my spouse. That's got to end for a newfound relationship to exist with my spouse in the same way we're married to you, Jesus, if we belong to you. And if we want a white hot relationship with you, if we want a passion that's white hot, boiling over and fervent for you, we've got to be prepared to be daring enough to look at the things in our life that are cheating us out of a passionate devotion to you and be willing to say, I may have been in relationship with you, but that's over. It's done. It's in our past. My allegiance is an allegiance to one, only one, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. God, do this. It may be painful to begin with, but it's worth it. It may be hard to begin with, but it's only going to do us good. God, you always mean well when you call us to do the hard thing. You have nothing but good in store. And I pray you help us through this, Lord God, because there's breakthrough. There's freedom. There's that life we've always wanted on that other end. Bring us through to that end, I pray. Do this, Holy Spirit. Work. Work, Holy Spirit. Work among your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing right now, even. Right now, as people are praying with each other, thank you for what we're celebrating even now. We lay hold of it. We claim it. We believe it. We know it's taking place right now. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is triage time. There's labor and delivery. Labor and delivery is taking place right now. Contractions may be hard, but there's a baby around the corner. There's a life that's about to be birthed. The decision that some are making this evening may be difficult, but there's your purpose. There's your calling on the other end of that. There's everything that God sent his son for on the other end of that. There's the life that he wants you to know on the other end of that. There's everything that I've been cheated out of, but I'm about to have in a minute here on the other end of that. God's working. God's working. God's doing something. We believe it. We believe it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, as those who are still praying will continue, I want to pray concluding this evening of ours. Father, we thank you for such a precious time. We thank you for your presence in our midst, for your spirit having been sent to minister among us, for this time we've had in worship and in word, for honoring your word, for the things that you've begun to do and have gone on to do among your people's lives, we give you all the praise. God, as we bring this time of ours to a close, we ask that you would go with your people wherever they may be. Minister to them. Clothe them with your grace. Envelop them, I pray, with your presence and with your spirit. May they know that they know that they know that their God loves them and that they are his child. I pray for safe travels. I pray for your spirit to accompany each and every dear person. And may we have a wonderful time to await us and to look forward to in our next day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.